0: Don't tell me that you can do HS2 and you can't wall off the North. Hello and welcome to the OnCast. My name is Dom. That's one half of the OnCast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom.
1: Aye.
0: Aye. In this episode, we're talking about The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, directed by Peter Jackson, Yay. starring Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Viggo Mortensen, to name but a few. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings, good, innit? it? It's Lord of the bloody Rings, mate. Um, yeah, is I mean, we never originally intended to go back and do these, but we've um, we found ourselves oh. in a in a great little situation going on. So, what's happening at the moment um,
1: in UK? I don't know if anyone's aware. Yeah, but um, there are I mean, parts of the UK that are shut down in a thing called lockdown. Mm. Yes, if um, anyone else has heard of it,
0: um, you wouldn't think so um, from the way people have been carrying on. Am I right? Wee satire. Um, but anyway, what's happening at the moment in UK cinemas, and not all UK cinemas—they're just certain chains and certain ones that are able to put all the restrictions in place and and do it all safely. But the ones are that are open, obviously none of the major studios are releasing movies at the moment, and they're putting out old or not certain some of them old some of them not so old uh classic movies and re-releasing them in the cinemas um so at the moment like if you go to the cinema you can see like they're putting on all the dark Knight trilogy on like back to the futures on back of the cinema Star Wars back at the cinema and at the local cinema that we go to they're putting the lord of the rings on so we were like yeah they are okay so for the next three weeks let's go see in the lord of the rings at the cinema um and so that's what we've done so we went to go and see the fellowship of the ring last week um and we got it gives us a great opportunity to sort of revisit it in a in the cinema which is an amazing experience um and get to talk about it and as a bonus as well they're showing us the extended versions yeah which was a bit of a that, like,
1: was, a, that was a little bit of a turn for the works but at the same time you're like this is a fucking bonus.
0: Well, mate, I do. I was like, I, I still didn't quite like because you told me, oh, they're putting the extended version. I'm like, surely not. Surely he can't be right. He's misread that or he's misunderstood the 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 because you based it on like the you three times. So it can't be. It can't be the extended. And then it was literally. It was when we were watching it, and Isildur puts on the One Ring, and that's where it clicked. And I'm like, oh fuck, it's the extended cut. <laughs> it's the extended cut. <laughs> It's healed or yeah. just like disappeared. Oh, so oh god, here we go. Um, yeah, and so now we're watching the extended cuts, most of which that you know, um, and we'll we'll sort of get into later on the the merits of the extended cut versus the the actual cut. But before we go any further, I think we'll do what we we usually do when we're revisiting something um, from before, and that's say where we were and what we were doing when this first came out, what our memories of it were. So what. Wow. Your Lord of the Rings story? Do you have one?
1: Um, <laughs> Go and see uh, like that. <laughs> so yes and no. Right. I um uh I had a a fairly dark period of a couple of years, Okay. which I'm Is not it? I'm not that familiar with <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> uh,
0: during that blurry period.
1: Well, yeah some substances which shall remain nameless <laughs> um yeah just had a had a bit of a bit of a bit of a trip should we say here and there about uh but yeah uh, basically i um did a lot of drugs and went to see lord of the rings and um had a great time i bet you did i was at college i think yeah. so they 2001
0: first one was 2001 yeah they came out yes. yeah 2001 was
1: my first year of college um yeah so pretty much yeah it was that was it like um yeah it was sort of 2001 i was um at college technically studying technically um lord of the rings came out and i had a bloody brilliant time yeah,
0: yeah and
1: yeah. yeah so it's kind of where i was to be honest i mean i i don't uh unfortunately it was one of those things that's become uh, well fortunately or unfortunately it's one of those things that's become uh, more important to me the longer it's gone on like un- understanding the sort of the visual spectacle and the scale of everything that happens within it yeah. um at the time I was quite distracted <laughs> yeah.
0: um
1: shall we say yeah but enough. yeah it's it, unfortunately I don't it's not one of those ones that sort of remains blazed into my memory for mm. whichever reason or another but it's uh, it's something that over time i've grown to love more and more every time i watch it and i've grown to appreciate it more and more as i've learned to um one of my friends who uh actually you know uh, fro if you're listening hi he was um uh the guy that sort of got me back into lord of the rings really because he had the extended editions um on dvd Mm. um so we used to go around his and we would watch or we would hang out at our friends flats and watch them and we'd have a really good time uh but yeah so it's fro that kind of got me back into it and then i got all the extended dvds and then that was where a slight obsession <laughs> came from after that yeah. was pouring over every detail um and sort of every little snippet of information really um but yeah, I mean, we'll get back to some more stuff in a bit. But yeah, tell us about tell us about your origin.
0: Well, um, this again is one of those moments where we we realise the uh, the difference in our our uh, our backgrounds or experiences, I guess, because when this came out, the first one, I was ten years old.
1: Of course, you were brilliant. Um, so
0: um, the first one was a family trip to the cinema. Um, I remember quite vividly. It was like the you know the four, uh, my, you know my main family, the four of us all went to go and see it at the cinema, and I just remember being absolutely blown away by it. I remember because you think of a ten-year-old seeing this, and it oh, is. I, yeah, I can only imagine it being the way that people talk about. And I, I had a similar kind of experience when I went to go, when I was able to see Star Wars at the cinema when I was like seven, when they did the re-release. Right. But I imagine this being the same kind of thing that people talk about when you're a kid and you're blown away by Star Wars. This is this was my, thing. this was like holy shit! I've never yeah. seen anything like this, and it still astonishes me to this day that when I go back and revisit it, that it does that, and it can like because it's a long film. Even the, oh god, getting yeah, yeah. the extended cut, even the just the theatrical version is a, is a long film, and it's so dense. There's so much information packed into it but it does mm. such a great job of just sweeping you along with it. And as a 10 year old, I just remember not being like bored at any point, just being completely engaged by everything that That's happening brilliant. because of just, just, I don't know, the, the, the level of world build. I think, I feel like fellowship of the ring is possibly the best example that you could possibly hold up to anyone of built of world building in a movie. In in a first movie of a series, like think of another one. Do you know what I mean? In terms of just the sheer amount of stuff they have to set up, and and the stuff they do set up and do it competently, like the number of characters, the number of they have different races, they have like the mythology of the work, and they do it all in and they just and they nail it. And I still it blows me away every time I see it. I
1: just yeah yeah, it is amazing. But the the thing that I had that especially this was that how quickly it brought fantasy to Mm -hmm. but the mainstream really yeah because it it is this is this is hard fantasy this is this isn't some sort of like uh like oh there's a goblin or a wizard or something this is the the you know this is like the rosetta stone of fantasy really.
0: Oh yeah, and they don't. This is where what...
1: so much of like modern fantasy is born. Like all Warhammer, for example, which is seen as this sort of like global revolution of like fantasy adventure, yeah. comes from this. It's all based on Lord of the Rings. It's all yeah. come from Lord of the Rings and everything. And that,
0: it's it's interesting, like because you're right. There was this resurgence of fantasy, and this kind they they came out. I think it might have even been the same year that. Lord the rings came out and the first harry potter film came out
1: yeah fuck. and
0: suddenly fantasy and magic and all that that kind of stuff was like prevalent again but again if you were to yeah. read into, um to, um jk rowling and her work she drew a lot of inspiration as did anybody who'd written anything to do with fantasy from tolkien tolkien was the is, yeah. the, is the don obviously and that's where all this comes from um But just like I d I don't know, it it, it blew everyone and it was a thing with me, like like I say, it came out when we were ten and it was it wasn't just me, it was like a craze, like everyone knew all the rings, everyone knew yeah, everyone was everyone like a lot of people were reading the books at school. I remember suddenly everyone was reading the books at school because the film came out and they wanted to or like they couldn't wait for the film to come out, so they just picked up the Two Towers book and just started reading it because they couldn't wait to find out what happened next. And it was, and like, yeah, and it became a thing, and everyone knew it. Everyone was into it. And again, the idea of this three-hour-long, dense, like, really high fantasy thing capturing the sort of hearts and minds of a bunch of kids still kind of—it just—it just just speaks to how well it's made, how well it's written.
1: Um, It's yeah. That's the thing about this, is it? Like you say, it was this sort of cinematic revolution. Yeah. It sort of really defined, just, just for me, like like modern cinema yeah. in the way that it sort of pulls everything around, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like they can do this. Yeah, it, it they was can do this, and they can do this well.
0: Yeah, because it was it was that time. It was around yeah, turn of the you know two thousand one two thousand where CGI was becoming a, a massive thing, and the other sort of thing that it went parallel to was obviously the prequel Star Wars trilogy. I remember, and they're being sort of compared unfavorably because the difference was whilst the start of the prequel trilogy was doing incredible things with um, computer effects, you know, visual effects generated, you know, CGI, Mm. this did a mixture of everything. And it was, and everyone realised how it was. Like, it was the set, it reminded me, it reminds me a little bit of like what happened with the Bourne franchise versus Bond. Bourne turned up and made Bond look silly. And like, I feel like Lord of the Rings turned up and made Star Wars look silly. Because they, oh,
1: okay, you
0: know what I mean. Because they, they did it for real, and you could tell how much better it was. It's like you can tell that when when Peter Jackson assembles an army and they go and they go to war, yeah, there's a bunch of guys in chainmail beating the shit out of each other in a giant field. <laughs> Whereas when, when George Lucas does the yeah. battle at the end of Attack of the Clones, it's just CGI all over the screen. There's not one real element in the entire script on the entire screen, and you can tell.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things. It is the, it is a case. There's so much of um, Star Wars franchise that is like quite deep in the uncanny valley. Yeah. Um, uh, For those that aren't familiar, the the uncanny valley is is like is a turn of phrase that when um, you're addressing situations like. Uh, when something you look at something, it makes you feel uncomfortable because it's very close to being real. Yeah, but it's not that close to being real. And you're like, there's something that I'm not okay with with this one thing here. Like I'm not okay with the way that this character looks or sounds or the way that their mouth moves in oh, relation to the words w- coming watch, out. Watch
0: Watch Alita and try not to be weirded out by it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've like, not seen it. Yeah, exactly. But, um, that is the definition of Uncanny Valley. Alita. It's just like look really? at her eyes; it's not right. Something. Oh, okay. Because right. they give her they give her anime eyes, and it's just like she looks real, but she's not. I don't know. How to, oh. <laughs> it's not right. Um, but yeah, you're right. That was the the trap that a lot of films at the time were falling into. But Lord of the Rings completely, you know, sidestepped that by just doing everything for real. And yeah, just the 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 amount of crushing. there
1: are there are things and that's that's the thing like you know the, there are things in this that are slightly dated yeah and there are things that you will see now and you're like eh, that looks a bit weird and there are other bits like throughout the, the franchise that do look a little bit lumpy but what i will say is like all together like especially fellowship for example before we get too much into the rest mm. like fellowship for example is almost pin perfect with everything that it does in yeah. the way that it describes things and shows things uh builds things and sort of develops and shows it to you you're like well this is almost perfect yeah
0: because like, I mean, they the, I think, it doesn't really get much
1: better than this
0: yeah because of the nature of what's in this story they don't have to rely because like i said the things that that date it are those cgi effects and, the, and yeah. they by their nature they are going to get dated because th- that's how quickly that technology moves on but what doesn't move on is craftsmanship and there's so much of that and it is on yeah. display so much particularly in furship, where you can see every single prop has been made and every single saw and every single set has been built and every, like you know hobbiton like if we're starting at the beginning of the of the movie and- they they built hobbiton they literally just built some hobbit holes they planted and they like left they I remember, yeah, watching some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. They went, oh, how long do you need to sort of plant it and make it look all lush and green and have all the um, – about a year? Okay, we'll leave you for a year then. And yeah. they let them just build this set, set and grow this set, literally, because so much of it is cultivated like you know, like a giant garden. And they just left them to do it for a year because that's how – like, again, just the level of dedication that went into it and the amount – they didn't cut any corners. They did everything the right way, not the easy way. And exactly I love, it. I love it that
1: that is one thing that sticks with me about the lord of the rings throughout is that they did it the right way
0: yeah they 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 built these giant miniatures and photographed those rather than bigotures. creating bigotures as they called them yeah so they made this giant for like isengard the tower they built this giant tower and they they did this whole thing where they like you know the camera went inside and out and all the rest of, and they did that rather than do it as entire. It would be really easy to do it as a CG shot, and would probably you know, yeah, people. Were, and but it, it, it look very okay. obvious as well. It probably would, and but is that and that's exactly why. Yeah, if you did it as a CG shot, it would look fine at the time. But in ten years' time, we'd be going back to it and sitting in the cinema the other night and going, "That was shocky. key." Yeah, but we're not. We we you don't even think about it because every single like all those big sweeping shots of these huge cities and like and Rivendell and the way that's that again that was just ma- they made it as a model and then photographed it with yeah. with, with a, with a map painting in the background it's just like oh. and even just like the just the, the the trickery and things they did in terms of like scale like making making it so that Ian McKellen looked that much bigger than all the other actors because they're hobbits
1: yeah so I that's just, something that I want to get to in a minute it's like yeah. because that deserves its own time yeah so they
0: they used every trick in the book and it works perfectly it's it's
1: so good but they also went back they went very far back into the the book Mm. because they are talking about things that are you know we're not talking about um just using computer generation they're they're talking about going back they're using forced perspective they're using like projected bigotures so they're using something that's projected over the top not just a matte painting but projection and miniatures and cutouts and all of this stuff as well so they're going back to this really like quite old school approach of building all the content and building everything that exists within that world yeah because then it's tangible it's got like a feeling to it you can touch it you can feel it you can pick it up it's got weight to it which is another thing that sort of you can sort of see in a lot of films nowadays where like they'll pick something up or something or move and it it just doesn't feel like it's got anything to it yeah whereas like everything in this has got heft everything in like they're, they're passing by leaves crunch and branches move and things pass by and you know, things like fall over and people hurt themselves, kicking things that they shouldn't be kicking because yeah. they're improving and yeah and, and all what, this sort of stuff.
0: That's what I mean. Like, uh, this one, like, and again, um, we, we we may never cover the Hobbit movies, but it is something that they, a uh, trap they fell into and that they didn't do it in the same way they did it with this. But, but this is, like, yeah. the making of the movie was an adventure in itself. People got hurt and people got, like, like... Sean Bean had to climb a mountain. He didn't have to climb a mountain. He just didn't like helicopters. So he climbed... Yeah, he's just afraid of flying. <laughs> he's, so he, he, like he decided to
1: walk up a mountain every day.
0: But like, just like... And he said, um, you know, we went through the cold and the wet. And, and like at one point, like, the, like Orlando Bloom, like, he almost drowned the guy who was doing the scale for Gimli because their, their boat was filling up with water. And, like, I'm glad that there was some danger involved in making this. Like, it should be like, yeah. a, a little bit. There should be... you if you are doing it properly, then that's as it should be. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I sort of, it's like the word that I'm going to keep using throughout all of this is authentic because yeah. there's so much authenticity, but yeah. behind everything that's done in this franchise. Like the Lord of the Rings franchise, I will say. Yeah. As opposed the to like, the, the, the Hobbit is. And the thing is the Hobbit is the Hobbit isn't unsalvageable. No, The problem with The Hobbit is it, is it lost the sense of authenticity that it gained yeah. with Peter Jackson in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, but also, you know, that's for its own story, really. Like, it's it's got, there's a lot going on in uh, Lord of the, it, we, there was a lot going on with The Hobbit that caused all these sort of situations to be the way that they are. Yeah, that's. So the thing, like
0: you look back at the way this, you know, the way Lord of the Rings is made is like there's no way that a film it could be made in the way that it was now today because there be no. just too much studio involved. But basically, what what seemed to have happened in with in this case is that at first it was at Miramax and then they they rejected it and decided that because they wanted to do I can't remember what they said now they 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 wanted too much money or they they wanted it to be two films and then they went to New Line. New Line said, well, no, this is plainly three films, greenlit it and, and let them go off and do it. Yeah. But then it seems to me like when you watch, again, watching the back of behind the scenes things that like Peter Jackson just went back to New Zealand and he just employed the entire country of New Zealand and had them. Well, his, yeah, like, like the, the army were building roads for him. He had like all this, every Smith and were like building weapons and bloody. He's literally, he mobilized the entirety of the country. Cause it's not, it's not a massive country in terms of its population, but it's like a stunning location. And it literally, and it has now become, New Zealand is synonymous with Law of the Rings. Yeah. And it is such a labor of love by like just everybody involved in the production. Like, every, like, sure. wet, Wetter Workshop, he set up Wetter Workshop as a completely new thing to do all the practical stuff. And then Wetter Digital to do all the digital stuff. Didn't go to ILM, just did it themselves. And yeah, it's amazing. It's
1: Wetter, uh, like, Wetter Digital came from like three computers
0: yeah they started on going that's how it started. Themselves. yeah
1: and they're like well we can do this and they're like well if you think you can yeah. then you know let us know if you're having a bit of trouble and then they're like well we are having a bit of trouble and they're like right well here's some money and uh go and set up go and sort yourselves out and see what you need to do but it was i don't know like so much of it again like saying about the authenticity like Um, There's another thing that I'm going to keep referring to is um, Anything You Can Imagine. Mm. I think that's what it's called. I'll just double check the name. Is that the book? Yeah. So this is um, a brilliant, brilliant book. And it's somewhat of a biography of Peter Jackson, but it's also a biography of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films and how they got made uh and what it does is it lines up um yeah anything you can imagine and let me bring that up and i can tell you the name of the author but it's uh yeah it's it breaks down into like excruciating detail about how wetter came into action and how this guy came into action how this guy came into action how the whole country was mobilized but talking about the authenticity is like new zealand itself is a large character within it but also the people of new zealand are so ingrained in how this whole production went because it is like this attitude that the kiwis have and it's like this very kindly very supportive like community-led way of dealing with things yeah and that everybody's like, Okay, yeah. Oh yep, yeah. let's let's pitch in, let's get it let's get it done, let's do what we need to do, and let's do it right. They're not yeah. fanning around, they're not wasting your time, they're not taking money off you unnecessarily. And it it just goes to show because the 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 quality that it's built upon. Yeah. From okay. a production can, side of things is just tell, second like, to
0: none. You can, and you can tell again, looking back at those behind the scenes like I think is um What's his name? Richard Taylor, I think, that is the name of the guy who runs uh, West Workshop, and he just goes around and going like talking through all the swords and like, oh, we we put the inlay here, and we put this Elvish script along the along the, um, yeah. the pommel of like Gandalf sword, and it's like that's no one's ever going to see that on screen, but you've done it anyway. Nope. You painstakingly yeah. like, and all these little things that you've done because you care that much, and it's just like, and like he has this. He as a hiring person was like, we don't hire you unless you're going to be passionate about it and that is kind of like the ethos that's driven through the whole thing you can see it but it's amazing I mean we kind of gushed a bit about how it's made we haven't really talked about the film
1: (laughs) yeah so So, what's the score uh, of the Fellowship of the Ring so the Fellowship of the Ring is uh, to well no so basically there's a an artefact I bet you can't guess what type. There's an artifact that is desired by many people and uh, it's about getting them getting rid of it. That's perfect, really. It's like yeah, that's I mean it. what else do you need to know? True. No, that's... But no, so essentially it's 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 an adventure quest where a magical item is needs to be kept out of the hands of evil so yeah. that nobody so that the, the people that the evil that are after it can't take over the world. And it's about this sort of dark force versus the good and the innocent versus yeah. the sceptical and the scheming and the malicious and the sort of the it's embodiment of like malevolence all throughout in the way that a lot of this sort of exists. Um in this sort of looming evil that is Sauron. Yeah. But Um, I I don't need to say too much because it's fucking Lord of the Rings, right? Like, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings? I know, but it's just like
1: again. At the same time, like, yeah, it's 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 a quest story about uh, this group of friends coming together and uh, you know moving on with what they need to do, and like they need to they need to get this artifact and they need to take it uh, onward. The wider story is. about this groups, uh, the the fellowship themselves.
0: Yeah, I'm so not I mean, doing a very
1: good ex- job explaining it because, because if it was, if I was to, I'd be like, doesn't matter, just go and watch it.
0: Yeah, Well exactly. I mean, who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings? But it just like to sort. Of, this is again, if you're thinking about it in the context of the entire trilogy, this is set up this this first film. And as much as it does move the story along, and like I say, I'd love the pace of. of uh, of it, particularly the theatrical cut, how quickly it gets through everything. Yeah. This one is very much setting the stage for what's to come later, and it kind of and that's almost the kind of the point of the fellowship themselves as well, because the fellowship is this group that you meet sort of about an hour and a, it's not until about an hour and a half into the movie that the fellowship is even formed. That's that's what's amazing about it as well, because they spend the first obviously mm-hmm. the the first half of the movie really is all that establishing stuff and getting and. Focusing on the Hobbits, which is really important that they they took that time to do that to focus on yeah. Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin and their journey getting to Rivendell. That's like again, I only think about it in terms of the extended cut. Like it's not until they they're still in Rivendell when you have to put disc two in. that's about in,
1: disc two.
0: Disc two, yeah. And I I I love the fact that they even on like, even when you get it on Blu-ray, it still is on two discs. And it it feels like it should be because that's how epic it is. It's it's, it's so yeah. big and epic that you have to turn over to side two just just to get the full story. Um,
1: and that's the thing, like We were talking like before we were recording about how Peter Jackson was talking about DVD. Yeah, but you've got to remember at this point we were just moving into we were just moving into DVD. Yeah, from VHS. So
0: VHS could not have done it, could they? Yes.
1: The, the VHS, this would have had to have been on... Oh, God, I don't know. What, like three three discs? Uh, three three videos? I mean, they would go like a long play, but the video quality would have been appalling, and it, it would have sounded I remember it, I remember like it being on
0: VHS. I remember the, at least the theatrical cut anyway. I remember there being a... You could get... Yeah, there
1: would have been like VHS. a theatrical cut out of it, but also at the same time, like the... the, the the quality would have been dog shit. Yeah. You know, you're not looking at, yeah, you're just not looking at something good.
0: No. Um, but yeah, like that's what I mean. Like, so you get that first half and it's all about the Hobbits and again, they, they do such a great job and they spend so much time in building their world and having you establish what their perspective is and, and again, yeah. they do that through the, the building of the sets and stuff. It's so like when they go to Brie and you, you see it behind the scenes where they go to Brie and they've just built a bar that's like eight foot tall so that when Elijah yep. Wood and all the rest of them walk in, it looks like they're <laughs> Hobbits. And it's just like, you could have just like, again, the amount of it, the, that, how long is that shot where they just go up and and ask for a room? It must be 30 seconds worth of film on the end, but they still went to the effort of building an entire set just to yep. get that perspective. I just, and again, I love that. I just love the, the, the amount of effort they've gone to. Um, but yeah, you get all the Hobbit stuff at the beginning. Um, we, get the introduction of Bilbo, we get uh Gandalf and again and like that's the thing that blows my mind again in the in this first one is just how well cast it is. Yeah. Like everyone is pitch perfect. Like there, there's not a weak member of it. And it will be so easy. It's such it's there's so many characters in this such an ensemble piece that it'd be so easy yeah. for them to get, just get one wrong that didn't quite sit right. But it's like from the first. Well, they, couple... did. Well, yeah, they did. Well, like, yeah, they did. That's true. Like, yeah, they did. So
1: saying about like the cast that they got was amazing from, you know, the, the comedy aspect that you've got people like, you know, Sariah McClellan, who is very much a stage actor. Yeah. And you've got, um, you know, Elijah Wood, who's this like young up and coming guy who's in, like, cool films, and he's a cool guy. And then you've got people like... He was in Flipper. Yeah, he was in Flipper and The (laughs) Faculty and stuff like that. And you're like, like, he's a cool guy. He's like a young... He's going to be in cool films, and he's going to drive cool cars, and he's probably going to end up with a drug problem. And then you've got Sean Astin, who's, like, this child star. And then you've got fucking Billy Boyd and... um, uh what's his, Dominic, Dominic Monaghan. No, that's it, Dominic Monaghan. But you forget that you know, all of these people are so so vastly different. Yeah. Such wide, sort of sparse backgrounds. And then the one thing that they did get wrong was um with the casting of Aragon. Yeah. Yes, what was because wasn't guess, no? it's Simon they, Townsend, was it? Stuart Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend. Yeah so Stuart Townsend was cast in as Aragorn yep. and got was was in the film there they are, started filming yeah they started filming with him in it and they got to a point and Peter Jackson was sort of as they were doing it they were like you know it's not right it's not right so they they said goodbye
0: yeah they basically they their main thing i think more than anything was that he was too young. He felt yeah. too young to be the to be the character because the Aragorn's a really interesting one for them to cards because he has to be the sort of swashbuckling hero, but also has to feel like he's been like he's meant to be hundred like over a hundred years old, isn't he? Because he's got yeah. the blood of Numenor in him, so he's like heart part elf. And therefore he's he's like got all this world weariness to him, but he's still also got a kick ass. So but they they went yeah, they managed to they, they got that wrong. And like you say, they during filming, I had to make that decision. They called vigo Mortensen up, um and the the story goes that vigo Mortensen took the role because his son was massively into Lord of the Rings, and just like <laughs> yeah. and begged him and just said, "No, Dad, Aragorn, you have to play Aragorn, please. good you'll be the coolest thing. That would be the coolest thing ever if you, if my dad was was Aragorn. Please do it." And and that I love that. That's great. um And he yeah. And then again, now that he's in it, he's like, "Well, he's perfect." Along with everybody, he's like Ian. It's McK- like Ian McKellen. You can't have anyone else play Gandalf. No, no. It's Ian but, McKellen. And,
1: <laughs> and that's that's the thing. Like they've absolutely smashed it on the casting, and and then you see. I think one of the more intelligent parts of the filmmaking process that they did was they made the guys like live live it. They yeah. lived the film.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they so they out. didn't
1: just have them, you know, their driver didn't just come and pick them up in the morning and, you know, take them out to where they needed to film and then pop them back in the car and then send them home again. That that was never a thing for them. They had them... That that did happen. They had their drivers and they had, you know, their their places to live and places to stay. But what they also had was that when they would be out on location, they would live they would sleep outside. They would sleep under the stars.
0: Yeah. And they, they would had- sleep
1: in tents. And they would do that together and they would eat and they would sleep and they would hang out and they would sort of get to know each other whilst doing all of this stuff. And they became the fellowship themselves became really, really close and really, really tight friends. But also uh like famed method actor Vigo Mortensen barely slept inside. Like throughout the production,
0: no, he he just he went for Aragorn, but he was like he's another one where it was like well it couldn't be anyone else. Once you, once you saw him, and he was like, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it's completely yeah. I buy everything you're saying and everything you're doing. Like he knows el he learn Elvish, yeah, and like speaks it fluently, perfectly. Like and like he'll sing in Elvish, he'll do it like, and he's just he's just the guy in it. He? He's just it, and he like he adopted his horse. And the horse became his horse. And then he just, yeah. And like, you get the feeling that he just, between takes, was just right. He was like a witcher. He was just like riding out along. <laughs> <laughs> like just going out right and wrongs, going from town to town in, in New Zealand. Just like, and they're like, Vigo, we need you back on set. He goes, ah, okay. And he <laughs> <like>, goes, <back. laughs> fine. Fine. But I'm slaying this demogorgon. That I, okay, never mind. am <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, it's, I'm it's, telling it's, these it's, children about the the importance of friendship, but okay. All right,
1: fine. I have to go on screen instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that, that's, that's the thing. It's like you say, um, um, you know, we are looking at, again, it's the authenticity of it. It's the fact that they, these guys knew each other really, really well and they're very good friends and their kids are named after one another. And, you know, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan remain to this day best friends because yeah. of what they did. Yeah. You know, they, they, they knew each other very, um, like very distantly. They knew each other from like the acting circuit and from being guys of a similar age, being in similar things. Yeah. But you've got to remember like, uh, and they've, yeah, like I said, they remained best friends, but you're talking about people like Dominic Monaghan who's, um, you know biggest acting credit at the time was he was the the guy on the moped in hetty Wainthrop investigates which is one of these sort of like cardigan wearing police bothering yeah uh crime solving grannies yeah and like that was what he was known for but but then he became pippin
0: yeah but it's the same with all of them. Like, I mean, Orlando Bloom is another one. He literally came straight out of, dra- out of drama school and came and did this. Yeah. Uh, you hear the story of how him and, I think it was him and Billy Boyd flew out together. And like apparently yeah. he, got, he got told, like Billy Boyd got told, oh, you're going to meet this guy at Heathrow. Um, his name's Orlando Bloom and you're going to be flying out with him? And he goes, right, okay. So he goes to the airport. And he sees a bloke who looks a bit elf-like. He goes up to him and is your name Orlando? He goes, yeah. All right. And so they got, and it was, Billy Boyd's 30th birthday and he was flying out to New Zealand to do of <laughs> the Rings with Orlando Bloom and they just got pissed. <laughs> they just had a load of champagne. Landed in New Zealand and it was still the same day because of the time difference. Then he just got pissed there and celebrated his 30th again. <laughs> so, I love that sort of, that camaraderie again. Like it was great that like there weren't any any, you do hear about these, you know, I think of stuff like Mad Max Fury Road, for instance, where charlie's there on and tom hardy apparently hated each other's guts like really yeah yeah that's that's the story is that they hated each other meanwhile their stunt doubles got on so well that the stunt doubles are now married but, gosh yeah but like you can't imagine that with with this cast like everyone just clicked and it, it shows on screen you can tell um yeah none of them ever break character or anything so like again orlando bloom is very he, he's played legolas and he's very stoic and he he doesn't it's not like he's cracking jokes all the time or anything, but you no. can tell there's something there between like particularly between him and like um uh John Reese Davies, again John Davis is Gimli a great bit of casting that just... <laughs>
1: It's it's brilliant. And one of the things that like uh so when you and I went we went with my girlfriend mm. and I pointed out to her at some point that cause she watched the um She's a big fan as well, and she pointed out about the reunion that Josh Gad did oh, yeah, for the yeah. sort of the Return of the Lord of the Rings sort of thing. Uh, and she was saying about how funny it was that John Rhys Davies was like crouched down, and and I'm like, you do know, like he's the tallest out of all of those guys. Like yeah. John Rhys Davies is like six foot two, six foot three, six foot four. Yeah, he's a big guy.
0: Yeah, he's scared. Like apparently, like the the stunt guys were scared of him during the fighting because he's yeah. like he's because he's old school as well, and he's a little bit older than everyone else. He's just like. we're not choreographing it you're going to come at me and then I'll hit you and then you come at me and I'll hit you and that's it, that was the extent of how they were going to choreograph it Yeah,
1: because it's like, it's a fight for him, like
0: and he can barely see anything. He's having... Because rap- he's got all these prosthetics and, and this mask on and everything. And he just... Apparently, he had an allergic reaction to it. He had, it was like a, a hellish experience for him making the movie. But you wouldn't know it from his performance because he's just brilliant. Like,
1: he's having a yeah. brilliant He's having time. a
0: great time. And I feel like... Well, yeah,
1: not, he's, he's not, like, not so much having a great time, but he, again, he's living it. He's totally... Like, he's yeah, just he's, in it. Yeah. At every point, and you go this fucking guy. Yeah. He gets it. Like These guys are all getting this. Yeah. Sean Bean walking Sean up a mountain.
0: I mean, we, like, we need to talk about Sean Bean because I feel like this is his film. They're all, well, obviously he gets a lot more. To, I mean, it's Lord of the Rings. You should know what happens to, yeah. to Sean Bean and his character. Also, he's played by Sean Bean. What do you expect? But <laughs> <laughs> um, he's fucking, I, I always forget how great he is in this. Yeah. He's so good because again the sort of the underlying thing throughout all of the films but particularly is is laid bare in this one is the idea of the ring being this corrupting force that tempts people. Yeah. And uh, and sort of brings out your darkest elements. And they do that in in this first film they set those stakes up very very you know early on in the franchise by having it be through the character of Boromir played by Sean Bean. he's a member of the fellowship comes from gondor but he has this he has this you know through although he wants to use it for good he has this temptation about the ring and wanting to use it as a as a powerful thing as a weapon and then slowly corrupts him as over the course of the movie and i feel like that and that's something that is one of the benefits of the extended cut i feel is that they give you you do get a little bit more of him being not evil if you like yeah you get a few more like more sympathetic moments of Boromir like there's a moment where he's comforting Frodo after a particular event which wasn't in the theatrical cut and I feel like they had to cut some of that back and so he was more clear cut of a villain almost in the theatrical cut than yeah. in, the, <clears throat> in the extended cut
1: and it is I mean I wouldn't say it's necessary but at the same time it's it's understandable that like these decisions are being made.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, Honestly, I, I struggle with the, the extended cut for Fellowship because I do feel that, like I say, it, this film has to do so much heavy lifting and it has to keep you engaged and keep you informed. And I do feel that the extended cut does sort of slow the momentum down a bit um, in, in, in a few places. And I do feel that of the three... Really? it does, it benefits the, I wouldn't say it makes it worse, but I feel like it benefits the least from it. Okay. Um, Like I feel like, so the prime example, like right at the very beginning, um, you get this amazing long um, intro from with Kate Blanchett doing the voiceover, telling you all this backstory about the ring. And then it cuts to the Shire and Bilbo and Frodo. In the original theatrical cut, it just cuts straight to Frodo, sat under a tree reading the book. And then he meets up with Gandalf and they have this whole long, conversation between him and Gandalf and that's your introduction to the Shire and Frodo who that's the main thing is that introduces you to Frodo and Frodo is the character who we're going to be following it. he's the main mm-hmm. sort of point of view character for the whole thing he's the Luke Skywalker if you like um yeah yeah but wait. in the in the extended cut they chop that in between Bilbo being sat at his desk writing and it sort of, it means that that scene, that that great back and forth scene between Gandalf and Frodo is like, it loses that momentum because he keeps cutting back to Frodo, uh, to Bilbo. And like, there's a bit where Bilbo feels like he's lost the ring and he's just sort of bumbling around. And it's like, it's good. And it shows you, yeah, again, it, it, it informs you more about Bilbo's character, but it's just, it's losing that momentum. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like, if if I were to be... If you were to watch that for the first time, Mm. like you know why it's in there because if you were to watch it for the first time, that gives a perfect indication. That's the that allows you insight into that world. Yeah, but having seen it, however many times before that happened, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: It it going to pull you out. That's the the extended cuts. They're there for the fans, but just like even again, like little things like you get that that sense of urgency that you get when when. Gandalf first sends Frodo and Sam off and they see he sends them off and like, right you gotta get a break go go go, go. and then like Gandalf's scared and like jumping at little noises and all that rest of it in the extended cut they then the next scene after that is a bit where Frodo and Sam just go Sam listen look it's the elves and then they stop and just watch the elves go by for a bit and it kind of all the, um, urgency, all the urgency right. is kind of gone for a minute and it's just like again it's a great world building thing and it's very relevant when you get to the you know later in the series you understand they're going to the grey havens that's very important but right now we're on the run the fucking the the black riders are coming we need to keep moving
1: yeah and that's but again like there there's like i will uh, not not sort of steadfastly defend it but like i can see the rationale yeah behind every single bit Mm. because that is you know that's how like hobbits would react because that's where I, they're, coming I, the scene, you know, they're coming from they're coming from they've never seen anything like this and or all these things that they've seen are coming from legend yeah and not, so they're going to be sort of distracted and frightened and yeah. it's the one it is the thing that's going to sort of pull them out yeah now i get it like, but but the I same don't, time, like there are points where you're like okay
0: yeah I, I, that's that's the difficulty with it it's like because i'm it's not a criticism so much as it's just an observation i guess because every every scene that i'm talking about is really well crafted. every scene every scene they add is a good scene and like you understand yeah. why they put it back in it informs you more about the characters it informs you more about the world and it's great it just from a completely sort of um meta filmic point of view stepping back it just slows the flow of this film that i'm watching down a little bit do you know what i mean yeah Where, but in the context of the film itself yes that's exactly how frodo and sam would react the other thing is obviously that almost everything they put back in is something that's come directly from the books so they they're just they'd be more faithful to Tolkien, which is never not a good thing particularly for you know for all the fans and everything so again you can't criticize that and it's not a criticism it's just a case of it, yeah I I felt that momentum slowing a little bit which is I can I could see if this was the version that was released originally in cinemas I could see casual fans going oh this is too much for me yeah Do you know what I mean? this is too this is too, too, too high fantasy it's too much for me for, whereas the theatrical one that they did release was able to like grab you by the lapel and go right this is what we're doing <laughs> You're you're involved <laughs> yeah it's Lord of the Rings this is what's going on there's, We got, there's, a, there's a ring it's going to blow up the world. come on <laughs>
1: uh, yeah but like that's the problem that is but one thing that I would always sort of stand by with the Lord of the Rings like the, the extended ones is that very rarely do director's cuts or extended versions do anything different do anything bold do anything strong do anything that really adds a great deal of value like i know there's the joke about blade runner is that there are however many different versions um yeah, like five different versions of it aren't they but each one is structured in a different way so there yeah. there's the decked version there's the non decked version there's the uh the the modified decked version <laughs> and then there's uh so there are all these different sort of ways in which people are interpreting the films and understanding the films and recognizing the content within the films. But when you get something like the Lord of the Rings where everything is just adding a little extra depth or an extra layer yeah, or an extra twist or an extra bit of flavor to something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But um,
1: none, of, none of this is, none of this really affects the film poorly. No, it just adds more. Yeah, but exactly. sometimes that more is, isn't net. I don't know. So one thing that I always sort of said, uh, in, in fact, Fro actually pointed this out to me when people were like, oh, they, they're just so long. And he's, he's always said was that there are both versions. Yeah. You watch all, the short. Yeah.
0: You don't have to watch the like, extended version. No. Yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. Like I say, if I was choosing, I, like, I feel like I probably would for, only on fellowship. I think fellowship might be the only one that I do. on. Like, I would probably choose to watch the theatrical version. Hmm. Just because, like I say, I just, just that energy that gets you into the story, and then once you're in, then it's like. And the other thing for me, again, this is like this is completely personal preference. So, we've talked about um high fantasy in, in these films, um, and a lot of that comes down to the elves, um, yeah, and the you know, the gladrilles and the Arwens and the uh. Eugene Weaving's character, yeah. Elrond. Elrond. Um, yeah. So all those guys who get a lot more to do in this in this first film, in the later films in um, Two Towers and Return of the King. Not to get too much into them, you get the, uh, Theoden and the court of um, Rohan, and then Denethor and the court of um, Gondor and me my personal preference I prefer those stories with the kings and the courts and all the and the sort of shakespearean backstabbing and all that kind of stuff going on yes
1: yeah, because you're a elf racist
0: i know i just i prefer that like I've always, I've always struggled a little bit with high fantasy it's the same reason like I've, the the fantasy elements of things like um game of thrones weren't the things that attracted me to it it was it was the mm-hmm. intrigue and the, all that kind of stuff so as a just from a completely personal preference point of view, I prefer that stuff in the later yeah, and that's, that's the like I, I said this to you at the time when we were watching this. When Gladriel turns up, like I love Kate Blanchette, I love Gladial as well. But she she slows everything down to a fucking snail's pace. Because she talks <laughs> so slowly and everything she does is so slow and drifty and ethereal. It's like, oh I get it. I get it. You're a fucking elf. i just like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just like at that point yeah. you're, like two hours in at that point, and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, those like, like, things that were, things that are, and some things that have not yet come to pass. The future, just say the future. Like have not yet come to pass. No, no, no. no. The future. Just stop <laughs> using stop using ten words when one will do. For fuck's sake, with like <laughs> it's
1: frustrating. <laughs> oh dear no um, I know what you mean but yeah. like again like this there's like justification behind all of it yeah. as well isn't there because you know we are talking about like a, a race of people who are thousands of years old yeah and that, you oh, know, I completely get and why and so the they don't are. have to the, the the elves talk slower and they act slower and they they meditate on things they don't think about things and don't take any decision rashly which yeah, is they, why. Yeah. Like, again, like one of the things that I would sort of go back to is, um, when you were saying about kids reading Lord of the Rings at school, mm. I did when yeah. I was at primary school, I was like eight or nine years old and I was reading Lord of the Rings to the point that my teacher at the time told me I was a liar because mm. she didn't believe that I was reading the Lord of the Rings. Um, she was like, I don't think you're reading. Really, I think you're showing off. And I was like, well, thanks miss
0: fucking
1: jesus yeah but but yeah and it's like it's fine like it's just one of those things and you're just like but i read it then and it was like i had no fucking idea what was going on yeah but i was having a brilliant time learning about it yeah you know i was i was like oh there are orcs and this is what orcs are like I, l- I learned of it through stuff like um like Warhammer because my my cousins were into it and my brothers were into it and that's how I sort of learned about these bits and pieces and then all of a sudden it's now re- right there in front of me in the world and I'm like oh wow like this is this is what this is now. so this is how this is what an orc looks like and this is how orcs do this they aren't just miniatures on a on a table they're actual sort of monsters and they talk and they communicate and the, the orcs are being um bred with goblins and men and so they're taken on this new form and there and it's like they're so 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 dense in there, there's so much content in it and it's all pulled together in a way that you just go, I can't deal with how like complicated some of this is, and mm-hmm. I hate the songs, so I'm probably gonna skip them bits, yeah, but yeah, it's just such a rich world, and then you say about like the elves is sort of going back to my original point and you go oh the elves are fucking annoying but everyone thinks that (laughs) like when people like like and people like oh it's because they're so old and because they're this and they're like oh yeah but they do take their time don't they yeah it's like you realize there's like cultural differences there as well because like hobbits are known for being uh, like taking their time as well and the reason that hobbits live to as old as they are is partially because they sit around all the time and do nothing yeah, a slower pace of life. Yeah, but they like, have a much um, slower pace of life. But then the elves do in a different way. The elves like appreciate life more. They they recognise the world is the way that it is, and how things can sort of move within itself, and the yeah. spiritual side of things, and magic, the way that that exists and interacts with different things, is different to the way that that dwarves do. And then yeah, and that is elves one of the, don't well, like dwarves for that reason because they they sort of exploit the world and they. And they they pillage upon it and they sort yeah. of break down walls and tear up trees and do this. Whereas the elves live very much in sort of synchronicity with mm. the, the world in itself.
0: Yeah. And that's what's like, again, just, just the, the production design on, on these movies and the way like what, you know, Dwarf armor and dwarf, you know, weapons and everything look like as opposed to elf weapons and elf-like armor and, and the way everything looks is just everything's been thought about to a, to such a degree. I love it. Yeah. like that is one of the good things that came out of um, the Hobbit. To be fair, there is that sequence where because they have a Rivendell sequence in their first movie as well, where they go to Rivendell and meet the elves. But in that movie, it's they do the whole thing where there's loads of dwarves and they just bump up against all the elves and just like and there's that sort of eye rolling. Well, this is just this is how you know them—the dwarves taking the piss out of the elves, basically saying how ridiculous and and like yeah, it all is. But with in Lord of the Rings, no one does that. No one sort of calls them up on it. Everyone just sort of. I mean, see, I think this Lothorian elves are worse for me. It's the it's the in the back end when you get all that lot. <laughs> Everything's like super high contrast, like all this light.
1: Oh, oh yeah.
0: And all that just like loads of like <laughs> I was like oh, fucking hell. Okay. And it's literally coming off the back of the um the Balrog sequence and um Morio, which was like heart pounding like <laughs> you know I mean? it just brings you <laughs> right down. It's just like yeah, a, uh, you kinda need it, it's like a respite, I get it. But it just like it sort of knocks the wind out of it. sails a little bit for me, but I get
1: it. Yeah. But that's the thing, though like that that sort of confused me At. Uh, y- well, it didn't take a lot to confuse me at the time, no. but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, some of the uh, there, w- there was a point and I was like, they didn't do a great deal to explain the difference between like Rivendell and Lothlorry and when they were talking about it. And I was like, um, like, where are we here? Like, have we gone backwards? Have we uh, were yeah. we supposed to be here? Were we supposed to do this? Were we supposed to do that? Like, what what led us to this? bit
0: yeah
1: and that you know was kind is, of some of the and it, and it is a bit jarring and like
0: card. like they do yeah they do do normally they do such a really good job because there's so many environments in this first film as well like you go from mm. you, know, you know the shire to like sort of the woods and the, the wilderness between there and the and um Riverdale, then you go up into the mountains then you're in the caves and then you go back to the woods again and you kind of go Okay, have we got like you say? Have we gone backwards? I'm not. I'm a little bit confused. But like, yeah, they it's the one time where that communication of of movement of going from you know one environment to the next does break down a little bit. Um, yeah. But like, you do get that you you quickly realise that this is a different set of elves with a different uh, once you meet Gladriel. Basically, it all sort of clicks into place that it's like right. Yeah. No, this is a different place. Um,
1: yeah, because because in the they they in the they don't really explain it as. Lothlorien and, and Rivendell. They keep referring to them as like the Wood Elves, and like the, the Elves of the forest. And
0: yeah, but then that's he, and that's confusing because then you go, well, are these? They're Legolas, both, but are these Legolas' people? No, it's different than other yeah. Wood Elves. No, he he's a Wood Elf, but not that he's a North Wood Elf. These are the South Woods. Like it's just di- <laughs> there are different woods with Elves in them. Right, <laughs> this is just yeah. one set of Wood Elves. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> yeah, and they, these Elves aren't fairies. They're, they're not like like fairy elves as as some sort of cultures have them yeah these are like elven people which is a whole different thing and that's where like this elven culture from the lord of the rings or as you would sort of understand them in a modern context again is taken from lord of the rings which is sort of portrayed perfectly in the films
0: yeah all the little things like again i've I've got it on in front of me at the moment and just like the little moments they have like when um when they're trudging up the mountain and they're all, they're all stuck in the, in the snow, except for Legolas who just glides over the top of it because he's that light foot. Yeah. It's like, again, that's yeah. a perfect example of, yeah, he's a, he's a guy with arms and legs and he's just like you, but he's so, they're all so in tune with nature that they can do stuff like that. Cause they're so like either almost bordering on magic, but not, no one's shooting sparks out of their fingers or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that sort of real world magic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That is one thing that sort of so a lot of uh a lot of the 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 way that the mythology is led in the book is this is where this is me being bookwanker again um mm. is about how it's like an illusion, so they're like they they allude to the elves being so fleet footed it's almost as if they were walking on the surface of the snow itself, yeah and it's but then Jackson's done that literally literally yeah and you're like oh they are literally this and it's like you it it, it, I get it like it's hard to define that in a way whether you're gonna go oh yeah he's kind he's kind of doing it but you can see that he's not yeah so you're like oh he's not actually walking on the top but he's not not walking on the top so I can see why they've done that here
0: yeah, because yeah, it definitely.
1: is one of those like very small moments that exist within this where they are sort of being a little bit more literal and a little bit on the nose than you would usually sort of expect from something that's so sort of uh accurate should we say yeah
0: true but uh, again it's like it's that is part of the adaptation from you know visual to from book to something that needs to be visual isn't it so it's the same with like with, you know, Sauron and the eye and, and, you know, um, but then again, they, they've done, they went out of their way to find like, there was particular concept artists. I think it was like Alan Lee and what was the other guy's name? Uh, Um, I I can't but there was like particular guys who had done, um, their, i said alan lee and john howe i wrote them down because they're literally these guys who had done these illustrated versions of the books over the years because the books obviously have got this long legacy and they've been republished and republished and, and they've got all this like fan art almost but they were like proper illustrations of what things would look like and peter jackson always said right that's perfect that's exactly how i want things to look so like they took that and that's how Eisen, the Tower of Isengard came to look like that. Rivendell came from one of these, these guys' drawings, and they literally flew them out to New Zealand and had them sit with the production company, you know, the, the actual designers and make it the way they, they had already envisioned it. So I love that he sort of incorporated that into it as well. He didn't just go, No, it's, it's my version of it, and this is what it's going to look like. Mm. He's, he's, he's yeah. respecting the legacy, not only of Tolkien, but all the people who have already started the, the process of adapting it visually, if you like um And gone, this guy nailed what Rivendell looks like. Let's go get him, bring him in, put him on the payroll, and make that a reality. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. um oh, I mean, what else to say? I mean, yeah, Moria. Do we need to get into Moria?
1: Moria is amazing. Like the Balrog, obviously, Balrog, is incredible. Man. The Balrog, like the Balrog, again, Balrog that, is an example the Balrog, where the visual effects uh, yeah. are used, but yeah. they're done in a way. It, that it's effective, like there's you couldn't really have done that no, in a. No. It would have been ineffective to do that in, in a different way.
0: Yeah, absolutely, um and like, yeah, and again, thing like just mind blowing. From a like you know, a ten year old sat in the cinema watching that showdown between Gandalf and um and the Balrog and what happens to Gandalf, like that, like that. I was shocked. I was shocked, <laughs> and I put like I did, most people were. Most people were like, oh my god, they killed Gandalf. Yeah.
1: No, well, that's the, the thing. Like,
0: like people didn't know that. That's what no, happened. No one knows. and that's that's something that kind of bugged me. I remember when they did the trailer for um, Two Towers, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, but yeah, like I just remember being sh- like so shocked by that because Gandalf was like, he was because you know, they did such a great job of se- setting him up um, with Frodo and and everyone that he was like the rock. He knew what to do. He knew what was yeah. going on. He's, he was their leader. And even within the Moria sequence itself, they had that everyone stopped and waited because Gandalf didn't know which way to go. So we'll yeah. wait until he figures out which way to go. And then they go, Oh, now we're going and now that character who you all rely on to tell you what to do, he's gone. And you go, Oh fuck yeah. shit. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Like, it's, such a, it's such a throwing everything out, you know, flipping the table over. Um,
1: and to well, that's it, that's the thing.
0: It tears out the
1: rug, doesn't it? Yeah, and, so, and it's because it, everyone's and always got <laughs> everyone has like the leader de facto or not. There's always the leader, and there's always the person that's guiding it, and there's always the wise old so and so that tells them the way. And it's it's like it's what we've mentioned on like Star Wars before, mm-hmm. where it's like there's the conventions that exist within these franchises or series or anything yeah. like that, where people go. Yeah, this is this is where this happens. This is how this works. We all know what's going to happen with this. Yeah, but then it doesn't in Lord of the Rings. Like they they sweep your legs out from underneath you, and it exists in the in the source material as much as it does in everything else. And he just goes, no, it's not how this this isn't how this story ends.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and and that's that's they not what we're going
1: to do here.
0: That's exactly what they sort of said again. Going back into the, some of the. When they were talking about the writing of it and structuring it, and how they how they went about doing it, they went every time we strayed a little bit from Tolkien, and did something different. We find ourselves sort of going back towards it, and every time because it was constantly yeah. being rewritten. Like they would, like the actors would get rewrites under their door, literally every single day, and almost every single time it was going back towards what Tolkien did. Because then you realize how well yeah. structured his story is, and again, like you think about like Gandalf and what happens to him in this film, like almost immediately it means that. The character who we kind of already only know as Strider at this point, Aragorn, then has to step up into that leadership role at a very crucial moment, which then sets up his character arc going forward into the next few movies. And it's like, yeah, no, Tolkien knew exactly how to structure this story. He knew what needed yeah. to happen, when it needed to happen, and how it needed to happen. And it's just like, yeah, this is like, like, just follow that. You've got the blueprint, just follow it. And they did, and they, and they absolutely nailed it.
1: Yeah, absolutely smashed down the park with everything to do with these. Like, there's no way, shape, or form that you can sit within this and say that they've done wrong. No, like yeah, there are there are things that are very different. You know, yeah, I'm sure that the massive fans of Tom Bombadil were yeah. really upset that you didn't get him in there. Fucking that you, didn't Bomb- you didn't get Tolkien's. You didn't get Tolkien's Jesus. Don't get me started on Bombadil's.
0: <laughs> that's what. That's that's, that's the name. That the collective name for people who who bitch and moan about when they make an adaptation of a book and it's not exactly like the book. The collect, the name for that is a bombs deal. Really? Yeah. Well, that, well, to me, it is anyway. Oh, you fucking bombs deal! It's fine. It's different. For, like Ready Player One wasn't exactly the same as it was in the book. It doesn't mean it's bad. Like,
1: <laughs> like, I thought oh, the like, film was better. Yeah, I
0: that, know. That's an example. But just anything that anything that's adapted from a book, they like, go, "Oh, the book was better." fucking deals. there they go, here they go again, oh, every that's single,
1: the, that's the thing, <laughs> <laughs> like, people are going to be mad, yeah. people are always going to be mad, that something's different, because it's not, especially in a book, yeah, because it's like, that's not how I imagined it, yeah, you know, but even like little that... things, like,
0: like the lines and stuff, so I feel like there are people, who are annoyed about the, there's the incantation in this, about the whole, the one rings rule them all, the mall, and the shadows bind them, and all that, but the full thing, yeah. is in the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie, and like, even on the, on the behind-the-scenes stuff, you see like Christopher Lee trying to do the whole thing. And they're going, we're not doing the whole thing, Christopher. Because Christopher Lee is like the Tolkien guy on set. Yeah. He's the, he knows it inside out. He knew Professor Tolkien. Like, he, like, you get the idea that he's, like, he's the authority. Um, and we'll probably talk more about Christopher Lee maybe in the next one. Yeah.
1: But Yeah, I um, think when he's... I mean, his role in this is someone else. Like, he's amazing.
0: He's, it's a career defining, like, yeah. Um, and again, interesting that this was around the same time that he had the little resurgence because he had this and Star Wars kind of like came out at the same time. It is yeah, just yeah, yeah. vastly superior in every way, is his performance in this and what, and what he gets given to do is so much better in this. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, and he would like, so I get what they, what people get like, like when it's not exactly the right lines. But I mean, how can you be upset about this as a Tolkien fan? I don't understand. And the pro- there probably always will be there always will be and yes, will. there will be people who are annoyed that because of what again the other thing that kind of happened off the back of this is that it became a popular franchise in so much as there were toys and video games and I remember playing the game I have played it not long ago Return of the King it's a great game and but like, I'm sat yeah. there playing an officially licensed Lord of the Rings Xbox game where I run around as Aragorn killing orcs and like just the thought of that would piss a Tolkien fan off I imagine you know what I mean but
1: like we like, that's with, a, like big old nerds and stuff you know when you read like high fantasy and stuff (laughs) you know before it was cool you got picked on for it yeah you know you got picked on for laughing at like nerdy stuff and oh you you want to be a dwarf you're gonna be an elf are you You know from playing the woods and you know why don't you look at at football or something you're like well fuck off but
0: yeah but that's the thing this became such a Because this came out again, maybe it's a generational thing, but like for me, like because this came out when it did. By the time I like I got to uni, everyone I knew, everyone I knew knew Lord of the Rings. We all knew it. We all. I think there was one time. I think there was like a weekend or whatever where we're all skint. We're students. We've got fuck all to do. You sit around and watch and the the extended versions of Lord of the Rings over a weekend. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows like the memes. Everyone has their favourite lines. Everyone has like favourite characters. Like And it's just, it it is such a massive thing for like a whole generation of people. And like you say, it was what previously would have been a geeky thing that is now become this big, and they have this, these films to thank for that, to bring it back out. Otherwise it would have. They do, yeah.
1: Because it's sort of the way that it's normalized fringe culture yeah, or something along those lines, because, you know, people always point out that this is like, oh, it's a really nerdy thing. Oh, excuse me uh people always point out and they're like oh it's this really nerdy thing and then you go actually it wasn't it was just it was a bestseller yeah 40 odd years ago yeah exactly yeah you know like what you're talking about now is fucking silly so yeah. like you don't really address things in the right way when you when you talk about it like that but it's how society's moved on is it is it normalized this as being fringe lord of the rings brought that back mm. it's this blockbuster cinema is this grandest sort of screen and stage and sort of platform for it to be on that pushed it right into the forefront and people went mad for it people people love it yeah it was like, a I have, it really I was like friends who were not in any way shape or form into like fantasy fiction or anything like that Absolutely mad for this sort of yeah.
0: stuff. Yeah, and that's what I mean about like when I went to uni. So there was like the people I'm talking about who were, it wasn't just nerds like me or people doing English lit or whatever. It was like it was all the guys who play football. Oh yeah, we all know Lord of the Rings. We all know um, you shall not. Or they'll throw out a line like you shall not pass or or wherever it happens to be is in the zeitgeist. Do you know what I mean? It's part of the culture because of yeah these movies made it a, a mainstream thing and everyone knows it. And it's like, or like you yeah, know you can shout, they're taking the Hobbits to Isengard and people know what you're talking about.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. It's the world we live in.
0: <laughs> it's a great world. And like, yeah. And, and it's, it's no too.
1: longer being sort of gate kept by these people that are, that are sort of, that's one thing that I always find about like fringe culture is the frustration with gatekeeping mm-hmm. and people being like, Oh, you didn't know. Or if you think you're so good or, you know, if you think you know this about, whatever then tell me this that and the other it's it's like the joke that you know people are like oh you didn't know charizard was or you didn't know this was or you didn't know what that was and you're like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make fun of you for trying to make fun of me for that you know and it's like i've had i've been that guy i've had fucking like really in-depth arguments about with people who've got differing opinions on why the eagles didn't just take the hobbits oh, to or, or is Duke. is that what um Gandalf or the ring meant, itself
0: well no is that what Gandalf meant when he said fly you fools yeah that's the whole that's how fly you fools obviously he means that you should get the eagles and just fly there
1: <laughs> yeah and <laughs> that's the thing and it's like it's, it's those points like I've had that argument but again this is normalizing it this is making something that's incredibly depth but it's never dumbed it down mm. It's never dumbed it down. And it's never made it inaccessible.
0: And it, that's what's and that's amazing about that's the perfect it. line that it
1: follows again.
0: And that's what's amazing about it is that it again the reason that these it stands the test of time and it and it is still relevant is because what Tolkien wrote about was you know bonds of friendship that are that forged through war and obviously it was you know inspired by his experience in the trenches and there was I mean recently there was a film Tolkien wasn't it starring Nicholas Hull, about his life. Yeah. Um, and it's and those there are, but there are messages and things that are said in this in this movie which are still as relevant today. And it's, it's the one that everyone comes back to. Is like, um, so do all who live to see such times, but that's not for them to decide. Oh yeah. All you have to do, decide is what to do with the time that's given to you, and that is such a, like that is almost like a rallying. I've seen that used as a quote so many times over the last year. Yeah as if, you know the, the times that we're living in at the moment we're all just going oh fuck i'm so, i'm but we're sick of this virus we're sick of like you know having to stay out all the rest of it and i uh, wish this wouldn't happen and it's such like gandalf so do all who lived to see such times that's not for you to decide exactly all you have to decide is what to do with the time that's given to you i'm like that's perfect like, like you could be like it doesn't matter that you're talking about a Oh, a a magical ring that will destroy the world or a a global pandemic in 2020 it's still relevant and that's just that's what me it's stuff like that which is the core and the heart of the movie is that line and that sentiment and there's a reason why it's repeated right at the very end of this first film It's the thing that frodo flashes back to of his memory of gandalf and it but it's that distillation of everything that's the whole thesis of the whole thing and that is why it's still relevant. That is why people are still going out to the cinema to see it. That is why we're sat here talking about it still, because that is such a strong message, it's such a universal message that everyone can get their heads
1: around. Yeah. And yeah, I me, mean, I love and all it's the Rings. <laughs> yeah, I think we should probably wrap it up there. Yeah, because... I mean, we've got
0: there's plenty more to talk about. I mean, the one last thing I think we should talk about before we sort of close the book on Fellowship of the Ring is Boromir's last stand.
1: Okay. Because yeah.
0: otherwise we'll never talk about it. Because he's not obviously not in the final movies, but that was such an epic moment um, and so brutal. And just, I'm almost I'm amazed as well by this the, the brutality in that final fight. Just generally, it's just it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, when, like when
0: Aragorn fights the main Urukai guy, he chops his arm off, chops his head off, and it's just like it's so brutal.
1: <laughs> that whole scene. From the moment that Sam realizes that Frodo's walked away, yeah, to the culmination of like Boromir's death, yeah, is just fucking masterful. It's amazing.
0: It it, and let's think. This is a because this is
1: this is late in the third act. Yeah, this isn't just plodding along. This isn't. At the peak point that you would expect a giant battle, mm. this film like assuages any sort of belief that you've got in one side or the other, and leads you into a new way of thinking about things, and leads yeah, you into. Because you think that this film's over, and then Sam's like, "Frodo," yeah, and then he's gone, and you're like, "Oh fuck, where is Frodo? Oh no, now, yeah. now what's going to happen?"
0: And yeah, that's the thing. They they perfectly marry like again. That's why I love and particularly just the way it's structured in the way that they, they put everything together is that you get that because you get, first you get the big confrontation between Boromir and Frodo where he finally yeah. snaps and tries to take the ring from him. And that's, that's like the, the emotional climax of the film, if you like, that's what it's all been building to is that one com- big confrontation that all the tension that has been going ever since they left Rivendell. You get that. And then that's immediately followed up by the, the action climax of the movie, which is literally that everyone's fighting for their lives because the Urukai have found them. And it's like, and they're perfectly in set. They camera exactly the right amount of time. Like you've had just the right amount of time to build up the threat from Isengard and the fact they're being hunted just the right amount of time to have Boromir. You know what's going on with his head and it's been slowly building up all this time. And then they both hit at the exact perfect moment. It's just ah, chef's kiss, chef's kiss.
1: (laughs) It's it's fucking brilliant. It's great, and it's, just
0: and I, I just remember being like affected by like, as a kid, just watching this guy kicking an ass and just like I can't like I'm of like you come to me dad. I can't believe he kept going, dad. Like, he had three arrows in him and he was still fighting. He was like he was hard, wasn't he? He was like yes, son, yes he was. <laughs> it's like, like yep. it's like it's such a great. I love that they they did him justice and he he got to have that that final stand and sort of had that redemptive moment. um and then, yeah, he gets his his scene with Aragorn at the end, which is just is brilliant and, and and brilliantly acted. Um, and that again, is from contrast. the both
1: of them as well. Like, yeah, I know time. Sean Bean's amazing, but like the understatement that Vigo delivers.
0: Vigo's unreal, man. He gets more to do in the later ones. We'll talk about it, but yeah, he yeah, he's so not a showy actor, and I'm so glad that he got this part because it would have been so easy if it had been a Hollywood production for it to be someone. Like a Tom Cruise or something, do you know what I mean? But yeah. that I'm so glad that he like because a lot of the franchise is like on his shoulders, um, and especially given the, with this first film as well that he just kind of, he just came in halfway through.
1: Yeah, it kind of turned up, didn't have any like, sword training. A week into production. Two weeks into production, he was getting people like, throwing
0: people were throwing knives at him, and he was just batting them out of the air. <laughs> Love that story. Um, that's the story. If those of you who don't know, there's there's a moment during this fight where um, the Urukai throws a knife at Aragorn. He takes the knife out of himself and then throws it at Aragorn. And I'm assuming, because you were going to tell me this, is it true that the, the rumor around this? Because the rumor is, or the um, urban legend is, that that wasn't meant to happen. He wasn't meant to throw it at him. He was meant to go to, and then they were going to cut away, but he threw it by accident. And Vigo Morrison just swung his sword and hit the, the knife out of the way on the first try. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I would like to think it is. I'd say, so would I? Because that's, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I mean, he definitely deflected it. Yeah. That's not to be. <laughs> that's, that's one thing that we've we, we, we got to not sniff at. I don't think it's ever been verified,
0: Whether I'd love to think point.
1: that it was real that it was like I think basically it's a case of like because they did have a lot of trouble with their masks, yeah, but um, yeah, it's one of those things that um it's something that I think I'd prefer to believe, yeah, absolutely and not if you know what I mean like I for like- example uh, like the the incident of the tooth. And the incident of the toes yeah. are very true. Yeah, um, he kept his sword with him at all times. Yeah, um, and I yeah, know, yeah all, he, all the little
0: things like the the only major I think um, injury on this one was just um, Sean Aston trying to run towards the boats, wasn't he? He just stepped on a giant bit of
1: glass. Yeah, he of all on, the thing,
0: of all the things, yeah, it was a perfectly simple shot. All he was doing was running to, like into the water, and he just stepped on this giant bit of glass. I not remember the the um footage of it is like because they had to peel off his giant his hobbit foot and then underneath his hobbit foot was where it got into his actual foot and you had to oh. Yeah <laughs> nasty. Oh um, God. yeah that,
1: yeah I mean sounds awful.
0: Yeah. I mean um yeah that's Fellowship of the Ring. I do love as well with particularly with Fellowship, um I mean obviously you can't say it's for the next one, but it it makes me laugh that everything happens to Frodo. Yeah. Like he's the one who falls over. He's the one who gets like stabbed by the the, um, the cave troll. He's the one who gets grabbed by the big tentacle monster thing. Like it's just—it couldn't have been any of the other hobbits. Just one of them. Like, yeah. didn't like. I get that. Like, just just once. Just have it be someone else. Like, I get that you're like ratcheting up tension because he's the ring bearer. I get it. But there's like nine people here. Just that he has to be the what the victim of everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but it's also i think it's the the attraction of the ring for like dark forces so everything like things are like led to him like yeah, I instinctively guess so. anything that's got like dark in its sort of soul or in its heart Yeah, okay so what the, so of, like, the, did
0: the mountain deliberately trip him up so he fell down the mountain then
1: <laughs> like, no, like, I think like, <laughs> is. but also that again that's like the weight of the ring yeah is like something that has a physical effect on Frodo. Yeah. And again, sort of talking about the, like the differences in between like the books and the films. Yeah. Again, it's more like illusory um, that in the book, because yeah. it is like him carrying the weight is metaphorical kind of. Yeah. Because whereas in this, there's, there's like a physical weight to it as well that yeah. he does really struggle with and you think oh actually you know Frodo's not having a good time and like he can feel it constantly whereas in the book you can quite easily describe the fact that he's got this weight around his neck yeah whereas on film it's a little bit more complicated to be like he he feels like it's got the weight of the world. All right, you've told us that six times now. Like,
0: yeah, I mean they do. do Again, they do do a great job of, of visualising certain concepts. So like when the boy looks like when he puts on the ring. Yeah, that whole effect is amazing. Um, and just that the sort of the way they achieved that was just like you know layering fire on top of the image and sort of and projecting on top of it. Um, is an amazing idea. And like particularly like the weather top sequence where you see the ring wraiths. Um, yeah, in their true form, and that, we haven't even talked about the ring race. This film, so there's so much going on in this film. I love it.
1: Um, there is a ton of it. We've, the, we've not spoken about Liv Tyler. No. Um, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Just there's so much that we just haven't even gotten to. No. But it's such an incredibly dense. Like even the the photography itself. Yeah. Like, but there's only so much time that we've got. At yeah, Eleven true. o'clock on it tuesday night that's true tuesday that today uh, i don't tuesday, even know what day is. it's is. your
0: tuesday no i'm not um Thanks. yeah you're right i mean we we've done our best to talk about lord of the rings it's an amazing achievement a monumental achievement in cinema we all know that um but it's great yes. to have an opportunity to not only see them again at the cinema but also talk to them talk about them um on the podcast so we're going to keep going um we're excited we're going to go yeah. see two towers we're
1: really fortunate this has happened as well like it's such an unfortunate time that there is like this brightness that we've got to be able to witness this be able to share it with one another and you guys as well like you guys listening at home like it's 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 great because we probably wouldn't have been able to get to this until like the amazon tv show or something like that
0: yeah exactly um and we always said that we'll, we'll do it sometime but we didn't know when um, but yeah,
1: there's
0: yeah, an opportunity to talk about it and they, and it's such a massive franchise that has shaped and like I said, it's, it's a, it's a milestone in terms of cinema and so much of what yeah. we talk about now owes a lot to Lord of the Rings that we have to talk about it. Um, and yeah. we'll do more. So we'll do two towers next week, which it means one thing for me means Helm's Deep. One of the greatest battle sequences ah. ever committed to film and I can't wait. Yeah, see it at the it's, cinema. It's going to be epic. Um, so we'll talk about that next week. Um, give us a shout um, if, you, if there's anything that we've missed. Um, there's loads we've missed. We talked about that. But if there's anything you really want us to talk about about all the rings, let us know. Um, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, you can email us at theomcastpod at gmail.com um, yeah. And yeah, and we will keep the conversation going and let's chat some more all the rings.
1: Oh, I'm so fucking excited.
0: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm well up front, so, Yeah, it's gonna be epic. And <laughs> it's, it's the extended amazed. cuts as well. The extended cuts. My god.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! It's so yeah. close. It's so close. True. And also, it's, right, sad that, that, that it's sad that there's going to be like another week between. But uh, I'm really excited that we do. I, do
0: I do? Watch the appendices in the middle.
1: <laughs> uh, I am tempted. I think I might.
0: Yeah, just put, just put them on. Just put them on. They like, don't, yeah. Anyway, and that, here's another one, actually. I'm, I've got it in front of me. Why is it... And another that, one. And another one. Why the fuck, if, you're go, if everyone's got to, like, go one at a time over this bridge at khazad why would you have Frodo and Aragorn, the two most important people, wait till last? Why throw all the other hobbits over, toss the dwarf over, make a joke about tossing the dwarf over, and leave the ring-bearer being the last one to go across? No, fuck that. He goes first. So they can catch him. Nice bollocks. <laughs> anyway, oh, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.
1: <laughs> thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. I was going to try and say something in Alvish. but wish. Um, no, I'll say it for the next one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't speak Alvish, so... <laughs> Sorry...